Thanks, Dave. Hey, good morning. Good to see you this morning. Glad that you're here. Oh, my. You know, it's that time of year again when things start getting kind of busy and building up. Um, I hope you paid attention to what you saw sitting on your seat. A lot of things already starting to happen around here. The, the, the holiday sing, Christmas sing going on this Friday, and then Saturday there's a gift, uh, what is it, an ornament exchange for the ladies, and then an all-month diaper drive that we're a part of, so I hope you're paying attention to that. Um, something that you might not be aware of, on the table as you walk out the doors here to the right, there's a table set up there with some cards on it. We're asking you to sign those cards. They're for our military members who are serving, just to encourage them. Um, Melody and uh, Charles are kind of heading that up. And then also, on that same table, there is a Bible, a wide-margin Bible, that uh, is for the John family. As you know, Robbie and uh, his family are going to be moving to Texas at the beginning of the new year. And there's a Bible there, and we're going to ask you to sign that Bible, all of you, to sign that Bible. You can sign at the front, the back, maybe a, a favorite verse that you have, sign beside that verse. And we want to try and let uh, Robbie and, and Joanne and, and the kids know how much they've meant to us here and how much they're going to mean to the kingdom in Texas as well. Um, Looking for a replacement for Robbie, not to replace him, but somebody else to be the youth minister, so be praying about that as well. Lots of things going on. Question as we begin, how many of you are planning to travel in the next couple weeks? Plane, train, automobile, okay, several of you, you know, it's kind of nice to be able to travel this year, right? Now, last year, we were all kind of locked down, kind of hunkered down, so it's it's nice to be able to, to travel during the holiday season. Most of us probably have memories, have stories about Christmas road trips that we've taken over the years. Anytime you get your whole family together in a car or try to fly somewhere with the whole family, something is bound to happen, right? Usually it's something maybe funny, maybe frightening, usually chaotic, memorable. Something usually happens on Christmas road trips. When I was growing up, we took a lot of Christmas road trips from Pennsylvania to North Florida, where my grandparents lived. We never took vacations during the summer, ever. It was the growing season on the farm, so no vacations then. And we'd usually take our vacation during the Christmas break, and we always drove to North Florida to see my grandparents and their family. Dad drove the big Buick, you know, Mom and Marcia sat in the front seat, and me and my two brothers were in the back seat. Randy got the entire back seat to stretch out on. My brother Don was always on the floor, had to deal with the hump. I always ended up with that seat right there, <laughs> crammed into the back window. That's not a picture of me, actually, but it could be, because I t spent a lot of trips to and from Florida laying in that back window, either asleep or looking out the back window there. What was wrong with my parents, right? <laughs> if any of you ever ridden in a seat, that ever, yeah, everybody that's over like 60 years old, right? Man, you'd be arrested now. 
if we did that, right? But our parents stuck us back there, and you know that's how we traveled. Uh, so yeah, this morning we are beginning a sermon series, Christmas Road Trips. You know, there are a lot of trips that, that Jesus took, a lot of journeys that he had, a lot of things happened on those journeys. Uh, but rather this morning, rather than starting at the beginning, I'm actually going to start at the end of the Jesus story. Next couple of weeks, we're going to go back to spend some time around Bethlehem. But for today, we're going to talk about a road trip that Jesus took, not in Bethlehem, but just outside of Jerusalem. Not as an infant, but as a grown man. And I want to pick up the story on Sunday morning. Jesus is crucified on a Friday. He spends Saturday in the tomb. Sunday morning, some women come to the tomb... The stone is rolled away. Jesus' body is not there. Some angels tell these women that he's not here, he's risen. In fact, Jesus actually appears to Mary Magdalene. They run back. They tell the other disciples that Jesus is risen. The men don't believe them. Eventually, Peter and John run to the tomb. Peter's not sure what to think. John thinks that a miracle has taken place. This all happens on a Sunday morning. But there's another event that happens on that Resurrection Sunday that we don't talk about quite as much. Uh, I've preached on it before. You all know the story, but we don't talk about it as much. And it didn't happen Sunday morning. It actually happened toward the evening on that Sunday. Mark mentions this just in passing. Luke is the only gospel writer that gives us any kind of details about this event that happens, Jesus on a road trip uh, on that Sunday evening. And here's what Luke has to say. Luke 24 is our anchor text. Now that same day, two of them, two of them being two Jewish men who had been in Jerusalem, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. So we have these two men. We know the name of one of them, Cleopas. Uh, These two men are walking and talking, and they are talking about what had been going on in Jerusalem. Specifically, they were talking about Jesus and the crucifixion. While they're talking, while they're walking, a stranger comes and starts walking with them. Of course, the stranger is Jesus himself. Luke uses an intriguing phrase. They were kept from recognizing him. They don't know that it's Jesus walking with them. We know, reading the text, we know that it's Jesus, but they don't know this. And we're not sure exactly how long Jesus walks with these two men, but eventually he interrupts them with a question. He asks them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? Now, this question that Jesus asks gets these men's attention. In fact, the question stops them in his tracks, their tracks. They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? Again, we don't really know anything about this guy Cleopas except that he doesn't have a whole lot of tact. Uh, on the politeness scale, he scores pretty, pretty low. You know, basically, what he tells Jesus is, seriously? Have you been living under a rock? 
Come on, get a clue, buddy. And if I were Jesus, I probably would have responded, as a matter of fact, I do know what took place in Jerusalem this weekend. <laughs> that whole crucifixion thing, these rumors of a resurrection, that was me, buddy. <laughs> but of course, Jesus doesn't say any of those things. Jesus is very polite. He simply replies, what things? Which I would have loved to have seen the look on Jesus' face when he asked, what things? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and all our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. These men who were on this uh, road trip from Jerusalem to Emmaus, they begin to share with this stranger two stories. They begin to share with Jesus their version of the Jesus story. And they also begin to share their own story. You know, everybody has a story. We all have a story. At the heart of these men's story was this very uh, poignant phrase. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. We had hoped that he was the one. Expectations. Dreams. Hopes. We all have them. And if you live long enough, eventually you're going to find yourself wrestling with these same three words that these two men wrestle with. We had hoped. We had hoped. We had hoped that we were going to have this big family, lots of kids, but then a doctor told us that that wasn't possible. You know, we had hoped that we were going to have this wonderful life and do these wonderful things, and then I lost my job, and I feel like such a failure. I had hoped that I was going to be able to deal with this addiction, but I can't kick it, and it's ruining my life. I had hoped to live happily ever after. And then she told me she didn't love me anymore. We had hoped that our children would make better choices, but they've traveled down a path that, that's breaking our hearts. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. We had hoped that he was the one that was going to make our story turn out great. But now our, our, our story is, is turning out terrible. See, you need to know about their story because their story actually relates to your story. They had a story that, that they were part of something special. They were part of God's family, part of Israel. People who had a destiny, people with a calling. Their life wasn't just about themselves. They were, they were going to be the glorious representatives of God on earth. And Jesus of Nazareth, this man, he, he was going to be the one to lead them back to where God really wanted them to be. He was going to be the one to kind of set everything right again. And they were going to be back on top. But of course, that isn't where they are. And that isn't where they've been in a long, long time. And there was no glory in Israel. Just suffering. You know, look back through their history. It, it, it's a history of exile. Slavery. Suffering starts with Egypt and then Syria and Babylon, Syria, uh, uh, Persia, 
Greece, Rome. Theirs is a story desperately searching for a happy ending. And then Jesus shows up, this guy from Nazareth. He's a prophet, mighty in word and deed. He said things that no one else was saying. He did things that no one else was doing. He's going to set the story right. He's going to put us back where we belong. We are going to be once again large and in charge, thanks to Jesus. Had all these expectations, all these dreams, all these hopes, and they're all trending in the right direction, by the way. And then Jesus is arrested. And this guy, Jesus of Nazareth, he, he ends up on a cross, which of course means, uh, means he, he ends up in a tomb. Now, you put yourself in the place of these two men. Dreams, hopes, expectations, and the wheels come off. They didn't see this coming. Nobody saw this coming. This isn't what they expected. This isn't how they saw their story playing out. In fact, the very reality that Jesus was crucified on a cross proved that he could not be the Messiah they were searching for because Scripture itself said, cursed is the man who is hung on a tree, so Jesus couldn't possibly be the Messiah. No, Jesus lost. Rome won. They don't know what to do with this. They go on to tell this stranger, in addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Hmm. Empty tombs. Visions. Angels. Men not believing women. Strange things are going on here, right? Finally, Jesus is going to respond to these two men. And what Jesus actually says to these men seems a little bit out of place to me. In fact, it seems a little bit out of character. These men basically are telling Jesus, we're not exactly sure what's going on. All we know is it's over. It's over and we're going home. Notice Jesus' response. How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Again, to me, that seems a little bit harsh. These two men are downcast, right? They're upset. They've been pouring their heart out to Jesus. And Jesus says, basically, you two are a couple of fools. How foolish you are. But interesting, I don't think that Jesus is actually insulting these men. I think what Jesus is doing is trying to tell them, you don't know what story you're in the middle of, do you? You think you know your story. You think you know where you are in this story. You have no idea what story you're actually in the middle of. And I think that is so true of us. We think we know our story, don't we? We think we see just how it's playing out. We know just where we are, what chapter we're in, in our story. And then one day we wake up and we realize, that's not the story I thought I was in. 
That's not the road that I thought I was traveling. Did not see this coming. Did not imagining that happening. You know, every story has an ending. Every road has a destination. You know, what's your story? What story are you really in? Jesus tells these two men, you don't really get it. You don't know the story yet. Let me explain the story to you. How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus said, let me explain this story to you. See, there's a pattern here. There's a theme. There, there, there's a reason There's a picture of what's going on, but you don't see it because it's coming from the heart of God and you can't understand the heart of God. So let me tell you the story. The story of the Bible is the story of a world that's created in perfection. Mankind who is created in perfection, but because of mankind's bad decisions, and we have a word for that, we call it sin, because of man's sin, the story got messed up. And the story got offline. Because of sin, there's a great deal of suffering. And the story of God is that he chooses a group of people to represent him. He chooses his people. In the Old Testament, it's the Israelites. And he wants those people, those Israelites, to know him. And he wants his people to know what he wants for them in their lives. And this group, this group of people who belong to God, kind of all on their own, decide that we are going to be proven right when we as a people are again large and in charge. As soon as we take care of Rome, as soon as we are really successful, as soon as everyone fears us, our God will be vindicated. Then we'll prove that our story is right because the most powerful people must have the most powerful God, right? And we're still buying into that story, by the way especially people who aren't very religious. Now, when you have it all, when you reach the top, then your story is going to be vindicated because that's what really matters is have people look up to you because of your stature and your status. But of course, we know that wasn't Israel's story. Israel's story was a story of exile, slavery, suffering. You know, they're in Egypt... God gets them out of that mess, but then they keep sinning. Then they suffer at the hands of the Philistines and the Assyrians and Babylon and Persia and Greece and Rome. And yet, in the middle of all of this, there is a group of people. There are some, not a lot really, but there are some who kind of come to the conclusion that their destiny is not to rule the world. Their destiny is to be ruled by God. And they come to the conclusion that their destiny is to serve God even in the midst of suffering. Even in the midst of being in the middle of a story that that doesn't seem like it's lining up with their story. It's like from the very beginning there's this world and there's this wonderful God who loves the world and loves mankind so much but sin keeps getting in the way. So let's go back to Jesus on this road with the two men. 
he tells these men who, who still don't know his true identity. You think what happened in Jerusalem proves that Jesus couldn't be the Messiah? I say what happened in Jerusalem proves that he is. These two men are telling Jesus, well, we thought, they don't know it's Jesus, we thought Jesus of Nazareth was going to be the one. But what happened in Jerusalem proves that he wasn't. And Jesus is trying to explain to these two men, oh, what happened in Jerusalem proves that he is. And Jesus says, you say that his death on a Roman cross proves that he lost. I say, the empty tomb proves that he won. You're seeing the story completely wrong. You're interpreting the story completely wrong. You don't understand what story you're living in. You know, what if all that suffering that Christ had to endure, what if all that suffering actually confirmed his identity, not disproved it? What if the crucifixion wasn't Rome's defeat of Jesus, but Jesus' defeat of sin and death and guilt and shame? Remember, Jesus said, did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? What if that story is actually a part of your story? What if it all boils down to one man? What if your story really boils down to one man? What if your story really boils down to one event that took place on the outskirts of Jerusalem in the spring of A.D. 33? Jesus Christ, crucified, buried, and risen back to life. What if that story really is your story? These two individuals on the road to Emmaus, they, they thought they knew what story they were in, but they really didn't. Let me finish the text. I'm in verse 28 of Luke 24. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They finally realized who Jesus is. He disappears, and I don't know exactly what to do with that other than that's what it says. I think that's what happened. Verse 33, they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true. The Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. How does the story actually end? Well, the story ends that in Jesus, God has triumphed over suffering. Now, there's still suffering in the world. Now, there's still pain. You know, life is hard, Yeah. But suffering, heartache, death, they don't get the last word. Not in Jesus' story. Not in the story that we're invited to, to be a part of. Because that son of God that was crucified by Rome, he didn't stay crucified. You know, I love the fact that as soon as Jesus reveals himself to these men and disappears, they immediately head back to Jerusalem. 
They make the return trip, which was how far away? Seven miles. They've had a long day, right? They were in Jerusalem in the morning. They walk seven miles to Emmaus. They have a very intense conversation with Jesus. And then, after the sun has gone down, they go back to Jerusalem. Why? Because they had a new story to tell, right? They felt compelled. We got to get back there. We got to tell our story. We have to share this with people. And they do. And we're going to leave them there in Jerusalem to tell their story because I want to ask you about your story. Now, I, I don't know exactly where you are in your story. I don't know what chapter you're on. I don't know what the details of what's going on in your life. But I do know this. Life is hard. Life is difficult. It's tough. And there's heartache in life. And there's suffering in life. And things happen and we think, I did not see that coming. Did not expect that. It happens to all of us. And we kind of stop sometimes and wonder, where's God? Where's God in this? And we wrestle with those same three words. I had hoped. I had hoped my story would look different than this. I had hoped the path that I was on would, would look different than this. But here's the good news. God blesses us with the dignity of choice. We get to choose the road we travel. We get to choose what road we're going to travel, what path we're going to take. And we get to choose the story that we live. God is not going to force himself on any of us. But he's offering us a different story. He's offering us a different path. Now, the world has a few story options as well. One of the world's options for a story is there is no story. It's all chance. You're just here. You know, you're, you're just going to live and then you're going to die. You're going to be dead like Rover, dead all over. Now, none of it's going to matter. But there's not a lot of hope in that story, is there? Or the world gives you the success option to a story. Just like the Israelites sort of concluded, if we can just get on top, if we can just get it all, if we can just make enough money, live in the right house, drive the right car, you know, if I can retire early, then that's a great story. The problem with that story is one day someone is going to bury your very rich, very wealthy, very attractive corpse in the ground. <laughs> Not a lot of hope in that story either, really. Jesus says, I'll give you another story. I'll invite you into a different story. It's a better ending. How about this story? You are not here by accident. You were made, you were formed, you were created by God Almighty who loves you more than you could possibly begin to imagine. Now, our own story gets all messed up, gets off-center because the world is off-center, but also it gets off-center because we sin. We disobey this wonderful God, and we can't fix that on our own. So this stranger comes alongside 
and starts walking with us. And he says things that no one else is saying. He's telling us things that no one else is telling us. He's doing things in our lives that, that no one else can or would do. And we think about this stranger who's walking alongside us, the same stranger who was crucified on a cross, the same one who everybody thought, okay, he's dead, it's over. But it turned out that when he was dying on that cross, he was dying for me. He was dying for you. And he was inviting us into his story. He was allowing his story not to be part of my story, but to be my story. You know, we all choose a story we're going to live by. A long time ago, I chose the story I was going to live by. It's Jesus. I'm going to live by that story. I'm going to live by that person. Again, he didn't stay dead. On the third day, he's brought back to life. You know, maybe this morning, your road to traveling on you, like, man, I don't know where this is going. But could I get, could I get a detour somewhere? <laughs> I'm not sure what's happening, but uh, I would not choose this. We find ourselves in stories. We find ourselves on roads. We find ourselves struggling with things that we never thought we'd be struggling with. By the way, we're all excited about, you know, the next few weeks. It's an exciting time, Christmas time. It is also one of the most difficult seasons of the year for a lot of people. This is a very difficult season for an awful lot of people because, because people that we love aren't here anymore. And because things that we thought would be in place aren't in place anymore or aren't in place yet. And everybody's talking about being together, and we're lonely. And everybody's talking about joy, but there's no joy in our lives. And then a stranger comes to walk alongside. And he wants to tell you a story about forgiveness, and grace, and hope, and courage, and acceptance. Inviting you into his story. To walk by faith. To live in love, to die in grace, to be raised up, to live forever with God. That's a story with some hope. That's a story with a very happy ending. That's a road that I want to travel. Now, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to head back to Bethlehem. And we're going to take a look at some road trips around Bethlehem. But I didn't want to walk down that road before I walked with Jesus down this road. And I want to be sure that we understand where the road trip that Jesus was on ultimately led him. It led to the cross. It led to a, an event that everyone else saw as complete defeat, but of course, God saw as the ultimate victory. And I want to be sure that we understand where this road trip ultimately leads us as well. well life is hard. But this is a journey, this is a story of love and peace, forgiveness, certainly a story of redemption. His story is a story that absolutely changes our story.
forever. And we need to understand that before we get to the manger. So I hope you come back next week. I hope you tune back in next week or come back and be with us next week. Um, We're going to talk about that story of Jesus being here on earth. For this morning, we've got a song that we're going to use, a song of encouragement. If we can pray with you, help you in any way, there's going to be some people down front that you can talk to. If you're online, there'll be a slide directing you to a, a link that, we'll, um, that we check, and we would love to pray with you, for you, any way that we can. If we can help you, come let us know. Let's stand and sing.